Well, good morning. Didn't they do an excellent job? Oh, <clears throat> man, I, I can't tell you how blessed I am to have excellent students and leaders to to surround our student ministry and to just to lead them. I, I just I couldn't do what I do if it wasn't for the leaders that I have. So I, I they're like a gold mine to me, and I thank them so much for everything they do. <clears throat> I want to go ahead and apologize in advance. I've seemed to have developed a little cough. And um, Jackson, my son, had it first, and then Kristen had it, and she likes to make out with me, so now I have it. <clears throat> so, uh, she's going to kill me later. That was awesome, though. Um, but anyways, uh, man, I, I'm so glad to be here today. Um, I went to kids camp last week. I'll never do that again. Uh, I no, I, I'm kidding. I en- I enjoyed it. I had I had an awesome time. Um, I'm sh- really glad that we have youth camp in June, where it's only like 90 degrees. Um, youth camp. I think it was up in the triple digits like every day, and uh, we just wanted to sit in our room in the air conditioning. And so, but but really, we had a great time. We have we have some great kids in our church, and we were just blessed to be there and and to uh, to lead them. What a cool opportunity that was. So anyways, this morning, I'm really glad to be here. I'm, I'm talking today uh, about being a dangerous church and not like dangerous, like where we do dangerous things and get hurt, um, although some of our guys would enjoy that. Um, but I'm talking about being a dangerous church. I grew up in a, in a really safe church where I was at when I was a kid, um, like nothing ever changed. Nothing was exciting. Um, the most exciting thing we would probably do is play truth or dare in the back of the church van. Um, and, and, and I rarely remember being challenged or changed in my life. And so, uh, for the most part, it was a very safe church. And I believe that God has called us to be dangerous. He's called us to be a dangerous church. And, and if we're going to be, uh, I, I believe that with all of my heart, that the only way the church is ever going to be the dangerous thing that God created us to be is if we'll take Jesus and we'll make him our passion. We'll make him our priority and we'll put him first before all this other stuff that we consider to be important. <clears throat> and, and if you have your Bible today, we're going to jump right in it. And the, we're going to start with the Gospel of Luke chapter 7. And there's three things today that I believe if we're going to be a dangerous church that we've got to keep in mind. And, and the first thing, what we're, if we're going to be a dangerous church is we've got to be willing to walk with Jesus. We've got to be willing to walk with Jesus Luke chapter 7, um, starting in verse 11, the Bible says this. It starts out and it says, soon afterward. Now, I'm going to go ahead and stop right there, which is a weird place to stop. But soon afterwards, and, and, I, and I've started, what I've started doing in my personal Bible study time, any time you see in the scripture where it says soon afterwards, it means that something happened right before that. And so soon afterwards, the Bible says in verse 11, um, <clears throat> excuse me, that... Uh, so I started asking myself, soon after what? Soon after what? So if you look back in the Gospel of Luke, some really cool things happen. Um, in Luke 4, he, he picks up in, in ministry, and he starts uh, doing some great things, and he goes to the desert, and he comes back, and he starts doing these miracles. Um, he heals a leper. He heals a guy who is paralyzed, chapter 6. And then somebody asks him some questions, and he breaks off into some of the greatest teaching you've ever heard. And, and then in chapter 7, he's just healed this guy. And so soon after all these things, soon after some incredible miracles, soon after some marvelous teaching, 
Soon after that, the Bible says that soon after, in verse 11, it says Jesus went to a town called Nain, which is interesting because Nain is, is just like a little obscure village. Uh, it just isn't mentioned very much in Scripture. And it's just kind of out there. And, and, and he went to this place called Nain. And his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. <clears throat> and so I, I started thinking about this text as I was reading through it. And, and the crowd's following Jesus. And the, and the Bible says that the disciples were following along. And there was a large crowd going all, going, following with him also. And so I got thinking, man, Jesus has created some buzz. He's created some excitement. He's done these miracles. He's done these healings. And he's got his disciples. And he's got a large crowd following. And so I, I started asking um, Started thinking about, uh, <coughs> I believe that there was a genuine sense of passion and excitement in that crowd that was following Jesus. I think there was this sense of anticipation. I think they were saying, did you see what he did? Did you, did you see what he did? The, the leper came up and, and things were falling off and he couldn't go to the party because his finger kept falling in the cheese dip and, and he was trying to dip his nachos and it was really gross and all of a sudden Jesus comes up and heals him and, and there's his finger and it's not in the cheese dip, it's on his hand and, and he heals the leper and, and then there's a guy paralyzed and I think Jesus walked by and, and guy's just kind of laying there and he's like, hey, Bob, get up. And he got up and he started walking around, craziest thing I've ever seen and he starts off in this teaching and I've never heard anybody teach like him before. And, and I just believe that if we'll continue to follow that man right there, that something great's going to happen. I think if we'll stay with him, I, I don't understand everything about him. And maybe there's some people in the crowd going, you know what, I don't even know if I believe everything that he says. But I just know that everywhere he goes, something unexplainable happens. Something awesome, awesome happens. And, and, and I'm going to walk with him as long as I can. I believe that there should be this sense of anticipation in our churches. I believe that we got speeding tickets on the way to church because we're so excited to be here. Um, we, we can't wait to get inside the door because we're saying, you know what? I, I know what God did last week, and I can't wait to see what he's going to do this week. I, I think we just have, have to have this sense of anticipation. I can't wait to see what God's going to do today. And I'm going to walk with him. And he, he may not be doing anything in my life right now. But I got a feeling that if I hang with him, that if I stay with him long enough, that he's going to blow my mind. And he's going to do some things that I've never seen before. And I just need to keep walking with him. You see, if, if we're not walking with Jesus in this story, there's another crowd that I think we need to stop and focus on. The Bible says in verse 12, as he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. And now I want you to see this because I've never seen this in Scripture until I was reading through it. There's this large crowd that's following Jesus. And there's, there's a sense of anticipation. There's this excitement in this crowd. And, and <clears throat> excuse me, and, and then, they, then all of a sudden we have this other crowd that's coming out of the town. And, and, you know, this, this crowd over here, is, they're, they're with Jesus, and they're walking around. They're like, oh, I just can't wait to see what he's going to do next. I'm so excited. I can't wait to see. And, and he's going to do something great. And, and then there's this funeral going on. And this other crowd is coming out. Uh, and like I said, I, I want you to see this because I never noticed this before in Scripture. Um, there's a funeral going on. And there's a sense of anticipation in this crowd and in this other crowd there's a, a sense of frustration. 
You know, I prayed for God to do something. He didn't do something. I, I mean, uh, God could have showed up. He, he could have done something great, but he didn't. Um, God could have healed my son. Uh, he didn't do something. There were, there were people frustrated, and they, they had their heads down. They were walking with their heads down, and they were sad. And there was this, this procession of life that Christ was with. And then there's this procession of death. And they were about to meet up. <clears throat> and, and they were walking towards each other. And this is the cool part. I know there's people here today. Um, maybe you don't have a sense of anticipation in your life. Maybe you have a sense of frustration. Maybe you're saying, well, God didn't do this. I asked him to do this and somebody got sick or somebody in my family died or my marriage has fallen apart or my job is terrible. And there's, there's all kinds of reasons that we could have a sense of frustration. But the crowds, uh, but this crowd coming out towards Jesus had this sense of frustration. And if they would have just looked up and realized who was coming towards them, their attitude could have changed. Their opinion could have changed. And maybe there's some people here today that you need to get out of that frustration line and get into the anticipation line because you're frustrated what you, with what you perceive that God is not doing. You just need to hold your head up and look at the fact that Jesus is coming towards you. He's seeking after you. Um, he knows where you are. If, if he went to a, an obscure village called Nain, no one goes to Nain. It's like Grain Valley. Um, uh, so anyway, anyway, he knows where you are. He knows where you are because you're his child and he's coming towards you. Get in line with him and we've got to be willing to walk with Jesus. And if we're going to be dangerous, because the church is only as dangerous as the people that walk in its doors. We've got to be willing to walk with Jesus. And number two, we've got to be willing to listen to Jesus. We've got to be willing to listen to what he wants to say to us. I don't know about you, um, but there's a few things that I tend to be really selfish about. I know that's a bad thing. Um, uh, and, and one of those things is food. I'm selfish about food. I, I hate it when I'm sitting down to a meal and I got some french fries and somebody walks by and takes one of my french fries. <clears throat> I, I mean, I, I'm selfish about food. I am not a food sharing kind of person. Um, some of you guys are food sharers and you can come and confess that sin afterwards. Um, and, like... I do not want to taste your macaroni and cheese. I have my own macaroni and cheese. Um, you cannot taste one of my French fries. Um, I will buy you a whole plate full of French fries, but do not touch my French fries. Those are my French fries, and I will smack you in the name of Jesus if you touch my French fries. I, I know it's my sin. It's my problem. God's working with me, and, and I, I may not be listening to him on that. So, <coughs> excuse me. And so anyways... <clears throat> the Bible and, and listening to Jesus. I, I remember when, when Kristen and I, when, when we lived in Joplin, and, and it was a few years ago, Evie was really young. And one Sunday afternoon, we went out to dinner after church. We went to Charlie's Chicken. Now, I haven't found one of those around here, but if you see one, let me know. So we went to Charlie's Chicken with our family. And now I've got this thing about the Charlie's Chicken biscuits that you get, the, the rolls, the biscuits. I, I, they're great. Oh, man. They're really good. And, and I've got this thing about them, and, and I, like, I like biscuits. And I, and I like to put a lot of butter on the biscuits. And I, and I just love these biscuits, and I like big biscuits, and I just can't lie. Anyways, <clears throat> so, uh, anyways, I've got this thing with the biscuit. 
and, and, I, and I pull it open, I pull the top off, and the steam rises out of there, and, and it's so good, and I take this whole thing of butter, I don't even know what it's called, it's just a thing of butter, and, and I put it on the biscuit, and some of you here today, you're a health nut, and you're going, you're going to die eating all that butter, and I will die eating biscuits and butter, a happy man. Um, praise God for that. So anyways, so the biscuits in it. So I, I take um, a thing. I don't even take one of the, the things of butter. I take a thing and a half, not two, a thing and a half of butter, and I put it on the biscuit right away as soon as I get to my table because it's hot. And, and, and I let the butter sink into the biscuit. Mm. And, and, and I let it sink into the biscuit. And, and because when I eat the biscuit, I want it sliding down my throat. Um, I want to drink the biscuit. Um, I mean, some of you guys are getting hungry right now, and we will find a Charlie's Chicken, baby. Come on. And so, I like, I love this biscuit. And, and I get it all buttered up, and I'm getting it ready. And, and I put it back after I butter it all up I put it back on a napkin on the side of my plate because I don't like for my food to touch um and so we eat our meal and the biscuit is the last thing that I eat it's the last thing I eat it's the last thing and I get I eat my meal and I get ready to reach for my biscuit and it's gone and I look at my wife whom I love and I took a vow to cherish till death do us part and I said, did you eat my biscuit? And she said, well, Evie ate a biscuit. And I was like, woman, come on. What in the world? You gave away my biscuit. And, and, and I remember getting angry. And I, and I remember, I'm not making this up. I, I love her and I would die to protect her, but that's my biscuit. <laughs> and I said, you gave away my biscuit. And that's just not right. And she looked at me and she said, you know what? She said, I, I think you're a little bit bigger than this. <laughs> um, and, and do you want to deal with Evie when she's crying? And, and she's right. I mean, what can I say? I can't look at her and say, well, your mama. Um, be, because her mama was there at lunch with us, and that just would have been weird. Um, and so she, and you just can't do that. And so uh, she was right. I was bigger than this problem, and I had to have someone point out the obvious, which is exactly what Jesus will do if we'll listen to him. Verse 13. It's kind of, kind of amazed me the first time I read it, but I want you to look at this. The Bible says that when, when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and, and he said, don't cry. Now, if you're a Christian, and you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you know people say stupid things at funerals. Um, they just do. You might be a Christian and you said stupid stuff at funerals and God will forgive you, um, but you need to knock it off. You don't go to a funeral and stand by the casket and say, well, they look so natural. That is not how they look. Come on, that's not natural. Um, they, they do not look like that. And so, so you need to stop it. So anyways, this woman just lost her son and, and she's already previously lost her husband and, she come, and Jesus comes to her and he says, don't cry. Now, from the outside looking in, that it's a pretty ridiculous remark. Um, if you lost a friend or a family member and you're mourning and someone comes to you and says, don't cry. I mean, you're like, don't cry. I'm about to make you cry. I mean, that's our attitude. And Jesus comes up to her and he says, don't cry. And do you know what Jesus was essentially saying to this woman? He was saying, you know what? I'm bigger than the problem that you're facing right now. And I, because I'm bigger than this. So are you. 
There's some people here today that the reason that you can't get into the line that you, that's walking with Jesus and feel anticipation is because you're focused on the problem rather than standing right, rather than focused on Jesus who's standing right in front of you saying, hey, don't cry. I'm bigger than the problem that you got. I'm bigger than the problem. I'm bigger than the fact that you got a busted up marriage. I'm bigger than the fact that you're in debt up to your eyeballs. Don't cry because I'm bigger than the fact that you've been diagnosed with cancer. Don't cry because I'm bigger than any problem that you've ever faced in your life. And the only reason that his, this woman wouldn't have, um, would have thought his words were ridiculous is if she would not have recognized who he was. Well, a lot of times we'll think the words of Jesus are ridiculous when we don't understand who he is. But when Jesus said, don't cry, the crowd that had been following Jesus were like, oh, shoot, it's about to go down. It's about to happen. And, and the crowd with frustration over here said, who does he think he is? And it gets crazier after that. Verse 14 says this, he went up and he touched the coffin. And he went up and he touched the coffin, and, and those carrying it stood still. Now, the reason they stood still, because it freaked them out. Um, Jesus was a rabbi, and Jews in that time, uh, especially rabbis, did not touch dead things. And they did not touch anything touching a dead thing. And they just didn't do that. It, was, it made you ceremonially unclean. Uh, there may be some people today, you feel like you're past. You feel like, hey, I've sinned, and I've sinned so much, there's no way that Jesus would ever be willing to touch me. Let me tell you something. Jesus isn't scared of who you were. He understands who he wants you to be, and there's not a person in this world, um, there's not a person in this world that he's not willing to touch and make brand new. And so I don't care who you are. He touched the coffin, and the, and the people carrying it stood still, and, and he's, Jesus said this. He said, young man, get up. And now there's two crowds here. There's that crowd walking with Jesus. They were full of an anticipation. They were like, uh, did he just say get up? Do you think it's possible? Do you think that boy's going to sit up? I'm from Oklahoma. And so they probably said it, something like this. Y'all think that boy's going to get up? And, and the crowd over here is excited. And they're like, did he just say that? And the crowd over here is frustrated. And they're like, this guy has lost his mind. Who does he think he is? And Jesus spoke to the dead person and commanded him to do something that was seemingly impossible. And I believe that we will become dangerous Christians and dangerous churches when we listen to our Savior command us to do the impossible. And we're filled with faith, the faith that it takes to follow his voice rather than give him a list of reasons as to why we can never do what he's called us to do. What step of faith is he calling you to take? God never calls us to a fair fight. And here's the deal. If you can do what he's called you to do without him, you didn't hear from God. You didn't hear from Jesus. Maybe you just ate some bad pizza last night and you need a Maalox moment. Um, but God will always speak to us and call us to an unfair fight. And, and it, it, will, it, will, it will overwhelm us, overwhelm us and we'll, we'll seemingly think that it can't happen. And that's where Jesus wants us to be as, as individuals and as a church We've got to be willing to listen to him. So what's he saying to you? What's he saying to the church? Will we be dangerous? We, we will never be dangerous if we live in doubt. We've got to walk with Jesus. We've got to listen to Jesus. And last of all, we've got to believe in Jesus. Now everybody says, well, I just believe in Jesus. We're the church and we're supposed to say that. Um, 
you know how it is like when you're in church and you ask a question and the answer is just Jesus? You know, the, like your typical Sunday school answer it, uh, it, it basically the answer for everything that you ask. Like, like, who died on the cross for our sins? Jesus. Who, who rose from the grave? Jesus. What's really hairy? Climbs trees and stores nuts for the winter? Jesus. I mean, it's a squirrel, if you didn't know that. But, um, but we're just like, I just believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus, and I'm just here, and Jesus is Lord. But my question is, do we really believe in him? Because a church that is dangerous will believe that the best is yet to come. We haven't even begun to scratch the surface of what God wants to do here in this church. Now, I don't tend to put my faith in, in a lot of people. Um, but I, I can tell you this. Maybe you, don't, maybe you don't realize this, but, man, God has put together a great staff here at our church a great group of leaders. Um, of course, Pastor Newbie has been here since Jesus was alive. But, um, but the rest of us, no, I, I'm kidding. I'm not kidding. But I've got guys, I have friends of mine. I've been in ministry for a little while. Um, I've been in ministry for a little while. And I've had, when, when we brought Pastor Dennis on board and Pastor Nick and John, I've had friends call me up and said, hey, can I come be a janitor at your church? Like, what are you guys trying to do, take over the world? I'd want to be a part of that. And God has put together a great staff and a great group of people. And, and man, I'm, I'm looking forward to and I'm ready for what God's going to do in this church. Um, but we got to be willing to listen to Jesus. So, <clears throat> so my question is, do we really believe in it? Do we really believe that the best is yet to come? So let's look at the scripture. Remember that the, the boy in the coffin, Jesus just told him to get up. And everybody's like, yeah, except the, get up. Did he just say get up? And so look at in verse 15. It says the dead man sat up and began to talk. I thought to myself, I wonder what he said. Because like dead guy sits up and first of all, funeral's over. Um, dear God, we're here today. Oh, no. <laughs> Let's bring on the banana pudding. Um, so anyways. Uh, and, I, and I started thinking, what did he say? What did he say? And when he said, I, I don't know, maybe he said, man, it was dark in there. Or, or maybe, he, maybe he said, the last thing I remembered saying was, hey, guys, watch this. Um, but I, I don't know what, what he started saying, but he said something. And the Bible says that he began to talk and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Now, let's look at this verse 16. And this is where I want to stop. And it says, they were all filled with awe, A-W-E, awe. They were filled with awe. The people who were walking with Jesus and the people who weren't walking with Jesus, the Bible says they were all filled with awe. And I'm beginning, I, I'm begging God that Crown Point Church will be a church where people walk in and experience the presence of God in such a way, and so, experience such supernatural things that we're filled with awe. That Christians are filled with awe saying, you know what, we've never seen him do anything like that before. And non-Christians are here, and they're saying, you know what, if that's who he is, I want to know who this Jesus guy is. Because if he can do that, I know he can take care of my problems. They were filled with awe, and they praised God. And a prophet, they said, a prophet has appeared among us. They said, he's come to help his people. And the news about Jesus spread around the countryside. Here's the deal. Can, can we do, do we believe that Jesus can do the impossible? Do we believe that he can really do what Scripture says he would do. 
because the Bible says they were filled with awe. They were blown away. And my prayer for myself, my prayer for our church, my prayer for Emerge, my prayer for our kids' church is that we would constantly Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday, be blown away because of who Jesus is and what he does. I believe that what happened in Scripture could happen again. I believe that Jesus still heals people. I believe that Jesus still speaks to people. I believe that he's still in the miracle business. I believe one of the problems in the church today is that um, we don't believe what the Bible says that he can do. I remember one Sunday, speaking of that and tell a bad story about myself, one Sunday we were in uh, the church we were serving at in Joplin and, and the pastor had a, did this awesome message and people came forward to be prayed for. And I, I, this little lady came up to be prayed for and, and she had been dealing with this pain in her neck and it was just like constant pain, always, always pain in her neck. And so I was like, I, I go over there and I pray for her and, and I pray for her neck. And when I was finished, she looked at me and she said, the pain is gone. And I said, really? <laughs> I said, are you serious? Uh, and the, here's the deal. He's the, still the same God. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, past, present, and future. He's always the same. Whoever worshiped him, come on up. And I'll, and I'll close with this illustration. When I lived at home with my parents, uh, which was a long time ago, I used to come home after Sunday church, and my mama would cook this big meal, and it was great. We had roast, sweet tea, I mean, like macaroni and cheese, where I come from, that's a vegetable. Um, we had potatoes and gravy and biscuits, and, and man, like we would sit around the table and we would just eat, and it was good. And, and she served everybody, and as soon as everyone was done, she would take your plate to the kitchen, and, when, and, and she, she served everybody, and it was great. And you knew that it was going to be a great day when she said this phrase. When she said this, you knew it was going to be great. When she, I, I, would, I loved this phrase because when mama said this, it means that something awesome was about to happen. Um, it it means that something, it, she had something, the phrase was this. She would say, hold on to your fork. Oh, when mama said, hold on to your fork, that meant that something else, she got something else in the kitchen that's sweeter than anything that we just had on the table. And, and she put a, a, something a little extra special. Uh, she spent a little spe- extra time and extra effort in, in the kitchen. And, and it was in the kitchen and we hadn't seen it yet. And we didn't even know what it was. But when mama said, hold on to your fork, something was about to break loose. At the dinner table, like praising God, hymns, raised hands. I mean... It was going to be incredible because mama had had something sweet that she hadn't brought out yet. And I believe that if God had a message for the church today, it would be, hold on to your fork. Because I've got something sweeter that I haven't even brought to the table yet. I've got blessings that I haven't even unleashed yet. I've got miracles that you have no idea what I want to do. And it's going to be so sweet, it'll absolutely blow your mind. Hold on to your fork. I believe as Christians, we should praise God for the past. We should celebrate what he's done in the past, but we should be walking around like the crowd in this passage thinking, if that's what he did, what else can he do? Who else can he heal? Who else needs to meet him as Savior? 
What other marriage can he put back together? What else can he do? I believe every Christian ought to be walking around saying, you know what, I know what he's done in my life in the past. But what else can he do? What else does he want to do in me, in my life? Listen, if you're still alive, God still has a plan for you. You're never too young or too too old to get in on God's plan. Uh, We may have a lot of senior adults thinking, you know what, God's probably done with me. But if he were done with you, you wouldn't be here. He didn't even call Moses into service until he was 80. And he led the nation of Israel until he was 120. And then he climbed a mountain and died. And that was his retirement plan. If you are still on this planet, that God has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. And I believe that the cry of every Christian heart should be, God, what else do you want to do in me? What else do you want to do in our church? Because Jesus, if we'll walk with you, if we'll listen to you, and if we'll believe in you, then we'll be dangerous like you've called us to be. Let's pray. Father, as a church, may we never be satisfied with mediocre. God, you called us to make a difference. And Father, may we be the difference makers and understand that you've called us to be dangerous. As we continue to pray, keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. There may be individuals here today that you may be in that line of frustration. Maybe your marriage is busted up. Maybe you're in debt up to your eyeballs. Maybe you need healing today. You need to move them from that line of frustration to the line of anticipation. Because Jesus is walking towards you today. How many of you guys in this room, no one's looking around, by a show of hands, would say, you know what, I need, I need prayer today. If that's you, raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. All over this room, hands are going up. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Here's what I want everybody, I want everybody to stand up. And we're going to pray together. And, I, and I, what I want you to do is there, there's people over this room who raise their hand. And if you're next to one of those people, I just want, to, want you to put your hand on your shoulder, grab a hand. I want you to pray with that person. And we're going to pray together. Let's do that. God, we pray that you would, you would help us today to lift up our eyes and see that, that Jesus, you're just that far away. God, maybe you've been setting them up for a miracle that can't be explained and, and you would move them from the line of frustration to the line of anticipation. And they would be so excited, Jesus, about who you are. Help us understand that you're bigger than any problem, any circumstance that we find ourselves in. And Jesus, I pray that we would believe in you. I believe that there's something sweeter in the kitchen. And may we believe you for greater things to come. May we be the dangerous church that you've called us to be. And we ask you this in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask you to do this. Continue to keep your heads bowed. Maybe you're here today and you say, man, I'm not really sure about this whole God thing. It's just kind of confusing. And to be honest, some of the stuff we teach can be a little bit confusing. But the basics are this. God sent his son, his one and only son, to this earth. And take the punishment for your sins, for your mess ups, for your mistakes, and to die on a cross. And the Bible says that if you believe he died for your sins and you ask him to save you, he will. If you want... God to forgive you of your sin and to change you and make you a new person if that's you in this room right now to raise your hand if that's you, you need, you need Christ in your life today, is there anyone here today 
let's do this. Maybe we're not recognizing it, but let's do this. We're all going to pray together. Every one of us. And I, and I want you to repeat this prayer after me. And I want you to say it like you mean it today. Let's pray. Say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know your son Jesus died to save me. I believe that he died and he rose again. I ask you to come into my life. Change me. I want you to be the leader of my life. Make me new. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's celebrate this morning.